Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and physical therapy pearls of wisdom to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is really to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. Before we hop into this interview, I want to talk about Vivo Barefoot Shoes. One, because we are so passionate about them and use them every single day. But two, they have become even more important to us because we have started to use them with our little guy Dante as he has started to walk. Vivo has first walkers. They also have boots that we have gotten his little feet in in the cold winter months in Minnesota to keep him warm, but also still give his feet the space that they need. It is such a vital time when your feet are growing and developing to make sure they have the space they need, the flexibility in the shoe so that the joints and muscles all develop how they should. And this is something we can continue working on through life. And that's why Jen and I have almost exclusively worn Vivo Barefoot shoes for about the past four years. And as our podcast audience, you get a special 15% off when you use code TOB at checkout on your whole entire order. And anytime you come back, you can use code TOB to get 15% off. And we just know you are going to love these shoes and the way that they make your feet and your body feel. So go to the link in the show notes and check them out. I'm excited for you to listen to this next episode with one of my friends and a chiropractor, Dr. Jonathan Leary, who is a visionary founder and CEO of Remedy Place, a revolutionary social wellness club with establishments in New York and Los Angeles and plans to create a global footprint with brick and mortar locations spanning North America and beyond. A true trailblazer in modern wellness and self-care, Dr. Leary seamlessly transitioned his clinical practice as a world-renowned concierge wellness doctor into the unprecedented launch of Remedy Place. At the intersection of design, holistic self-care, and human connection, Dr. Larry and Remedy Place are architecting a profound shift in the landscape of the $10 trillion healthcare industry. Responding to a surge in demand from a market poised for exponential growth, Remedy Place has launched a global events division and introduced a collection of holistic technologies, ushering a dynamic new era of self-care. Beyond his leadership at Remedy Place, Dr. Leary is a sought-after speaker in health and wellness arena. His practice and expertise has been featured in top media outlets from Vogue to New York Times, alongside a range of corporate advisories and appearances, including Delta Airlines, Kane's Film Festival, and the Global Wellness Summit. Dr. Leary continues to innovate and inspire with unwavering commitment to transforming lives and shaping industries. Dr. Leary, I am so honored to have you on the podcast now, knowing just where we met years ago in LA as a chiropractor and a physical therapist coming together and chatting and getting to know each other and knowing what you wanted to create um, and bring in the world to where you are now with Remedy Place. It's really incredible. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. You know, I was really looking forward to this. Yeah. And I mean, we're so excited to you know, dive in more to what you're doing with Remedy Place. But I kind of want to start back where, you know, before this was actually a brick and mortar building, a social club, a social wellness club, which I love the terminology of a social wellness club in general. But where was the idea for this birthed? And can you just, you know, give us a little bit of your background from where you came um, doing one-on-one chiropractic care for people? Yeah, 100%. So I... Always grew up knew I wanted to be a doctor. My mom and my sister both worked in the hospital setting. 
And, you know, through pre-med, you have to have all the volunteer hours. You, you have to do, you make your resume look amazing, right? So I was mm-hmm. putting in yeah. the time in the hospital setting, just trying to doing anything that I could to make myself look like a better candidate. And I just realized by the end of my junior year when I was, you know, preparing for applying to med school, I was just like, I don't know if I want to work in a hospital. Okay, real quick, interrupting. When we're talking about wellness, it also includes what we're putting in our body is so incredibly important. And this is why Dom and I, no matter where we go as we're traveling, we always have element packs with us because just having water isn't enough. We need to be fueling our body with the electrolytes that we're missing throughout the day. And it really helps so that you stay focused, you have more energy throughout the day, and especially if you are working out, this is something that you need in your life. And Element has the most delicious flavors if you've never had it, but they also have unflavored. You can add fruit, you can add your own flavor to it if you want. They have so many options. And when you use the link in our show notes, you get a free sample pack with your purchase. So I highly recommend if you have not tried Element yet, this is the time to start refilling your body, to have more energy throughout the day, to feel more focused and just feel better within your body. It's truly something we take every single day. And I don't know what I would do without it, especially as a breastfeeding mom who needs a lot of hydration. Looking at the environment, it was not great, you know, looking at the patients, not happy, the doctors really just overworked, not sleeping, not healthy, so stressed. And I think I just saw too many things that I was like, oh, maybe this isn't what I want to do. Like I knew I wanted to help people, but maybe I didn't want to be a traditional doctor. And I really wasn't exposed to anything outside of a hospital setting in the small town. I grew up in Rhode Island. So, you know, I kind of fell into chiropractic, not because it's what I wanted, because I never even went to a chiropractor before I started that program. Wow. I just, uh, in the state of California, a chiropractor is considered a primary care physician, so they could treat and diagnose anything. They just can't puncture the skin or prescribe medicine. And I was like, oh, like I had a personal training background. I was always doing nutrition with my clients. And I was like, maybe I just kind of create my own style and figure it out, but at least I'll have the degree and the title and I can increase my scope. And when I started that program in LA, I was like, okay, I know that I want to start my own thing right when I graduate. So I started working on the business plan for Remedy every Sunday throughout that whole program. And I was just like, hey, at first it was just like, how do I make it a better environment? And it wasn't really about the social side It wasn't even too much about the self-care side. That kind of was perfected later. It was really just, how do I create a better environment? Mm -hmm. And when I graduated, I went to the bank and I thought I was going to get a business loan. I had, (laughs) it was like a 158 page binder with a business plan. I didn't have any business mentors. You know, it was just me Googling everything possible to think this is how you get a business loan. And the woman kind of laughed at me and she's like, sir, you have no money and you have all this student loan debt. How am I supposed to give you a loan? And I'm like, that's why I need a loan. <laughs> but, <laughs> but quickly realized that's not how it worked. And then I was like, okay, now what can I do? I pivoted and I was like, all right, I'll just have a concierge practice. Not because it was fancy, but honestly, it was because it was the most affordable route. You know, I couldn't afford to get an office. I couldn't get any business loan. And I just got really lucky in the beginning of my practice where I had success with two big patients. And after three months in practice, I just 
through those referrals of those two patients, my whole practice took off and mm. it was so much fun. I worked with the coolest people uh, with so many different professions and so many different leaders. And it was just really exciting. I'm like, I can't believe I get to be in the same room as these people, Never mind with them so much doing their rehab. And it was like a year into my practice, one of my patients looked at me and she was this really successful woman, built a billion dollar business. And she's like, John, how, you know, like, this is so cool. And like, I appreciate you so much and you're making a good living for the first time. And this is so exciting. But she's like, I know your goal is to change healthcare, but you really can't do that seeing one patient at a time. <laughs> and that's where I really bought, brought the business plan of Remedy Place back. And that's where I started leaning on my patients, which really my patients became my mentors on learning the business side. And for four more years, I just started working on the business plan again. Like what worked for my patients? What didn't work? What were their common lifestyle habits? What were their common complaints? And I was just trying to really figure out not only the business side, but how I could continually improve the business plan. And then five years later, I was, I opened Remedy. Wow. I mean, such a journey, but incredible to have, you know, people see that full potential of what's possible because of what you're providing them. I like how she says to you, you know, John, you really can't change healthcare one, one person at a time. And I bet you're in your mind thinking, yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> I've got this 160 page binder that's with the plan. <laughs> I know. And when we think about it as a lot of clinicians we know and meeting Dom, I remember for the first time when we were chatting and his goal working in the hospital was to try to change some systems. And he was telling me how frustrated he was with trying to bring new things. And, oh, man. And, and change a little bit of what was going on in the hospital. And it's like impossible. So it's you know, being able to bring something new to the landscape, also super hard though. So how has it been stepping in as a wellness space now and saying this is different and this is needed? Yeah, you know, it's the crazy thing is I think it's the first time ever. I would say the one good thing that came out of the pandemic was just the awareness. Mm. I mean, I think we can all agree like over the past decade, alternative medicine, self-care, like these things have been slowly on the rise, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the pandemic was the first time that the whole world woke up. And I think they just realized that, oh, if I'm not healthy, no one, no one can save me. And I think mm -hmm. that was a really scary time for a lot of people and probably really traumatic. And we saw a lot of, you know, really sad things happen. And I think with that and then the rise of just social media, like if you think another good thing, you know, social media has its pros and cons, but one of the good things that I think came out of it was the awareness, you know, like 10 years ago, you're never going to get millions of views on anything, you know, thinking about, you know, big pharma has so much money to do commercials, billboards, so many ads, but physical therapy or chiropractic or acupuncture or meditation there was never a platform to reach a lot of people for free. Yeah. And I think mm -hmm. now that we have more experts in the field that have more platforms, that reach is just shifting the awareness in such a way that we've never had the opportunity. And I think all three of us can agree that we know all of this stuff works and we see it firsthand every single day. And unless people see it or they're constantly reminded they're they're never going to give 
like really get the chance to give it a try. I think even the reason why I landed all my patients in practice, most of them would never go to a chiropractor. You know, it's really mm -hmm. the first thing that they would always say is like, oh, I would never go to a chiropractor, but you know, so-and-so said you would fix this. <laughs> and I think the, like the background on a lot of alternative medicine or even chiropractic is like this woo-woo, non-scientifically backed thing that people don't believe in. And I'm like, this isn't something to believe in. It's, this is actually science. Like maybe we don't have enough research articles, enough money going into the research to show, but you know, if I can get you pain-free, like, does that justify it enough to make you happy and, and then know that there is science behind this? And I think one by one, that was the big thing with my patients where the cool thing is they really were these industry leaders or like really powerful, influential people. And by them being open to it and then seeing the benefit that started spreading within their networks. And I think in order to create like real societal shifts, we need the awareness to change and we need leaders to also like lead by example or influence or motivate people around them. Yeah. No, I think there's a ton of good things that you said right there. And I think the, what I have realized with a lot of people is that the frustration is there for a lot of people with the current options because there are so few perceivably for people, especially where I'm from in Minnesota, there's you have one option for your quote healthcare and that's to go to your primary care doctor. And you know, that's the route. If something's wrong, you go into them and it's all within this, this one system. But like you said, there are now tons of different outlets in, in media and whatnot that allow us to be exposed to these different options and to start opening up, you know, our perception of what is out there. Um, and just to touch on the whole research conversation quickly, you know, we only have research and data on the things that we research. <laughs> and in so many cases, much of the research is done on things that have money behind them, have companies behind them, have, you know, different interests in the results. Not to say that, you know, yoga or acupuncture or hyperbaric chambers or, or, you know, things like this aren't researched, but not to the extent of the other things. And that's where I think a lot of people, you know, have these answers like, oh, there's no research behind that. Well, there is, it just isn't as robust a sample size in some cases, but there is research behind a lot of this. And I, I want to start kind of diving in on, you know, where does the power come from when we start to introduce people to more of this integrative wellness approach? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a big thing that we're leaning into is, you know, we're starting to expand fast. You know, we're doing two clubs a year. We're helping a lot of people each day. And I think where we're trying to do with even just our company alone is how are we gathering data on our guests so that we can better direct them in the club and give them the more like prescribed programs and plans to like help them achieve whatever they want to achieve. But I think as Remedy starts to have hundreds of thousands or millions of data points a year, if we can start using that data to actually show like from tapped in wearable devices and whatever other monitors we're going to be applying, 
eventually, you know, if there's enough data that has to raise enough of a, like a, a red flag of like, hey, insurance companies, or hey, <laughs> there's enough evidence here to actually show that there is this big data pool and this is our findings. And I think the more companies like Remedy or more professionals within their practice, they're actually able to capture data. Mm -hmm. Data is king, I think. Mm -hmm. Could not agree more. That That's everything. That's the way that we prove what yeah. we're doing and how we're helping. And it's funny, what you said right there goes back to my mindset. When I was working in hospitals, I was, I was trying to set up programs kind of on the <laughs> angle of getting in with corporations that had large office offices or factories where you could be there on the floor as their, you know, first entry level provider or primary care type provider um, to start getting at some of the injuries that could be happening in the office space or getting at the pains prior to them going to the hospital and missing days of work or getting images or spending all this money that a corporation really wouldn't want to spend on their employees' health care. Um, and what you said, gathering the data to then convince the insurance companies, um, this is something that one, you can make money doing, two, helps people people's health long-term and will three, lower their health care costs overall. Um, I think that's a huge approach that I always appreciate when I know companies are taking that because I think that really will move the needle. It just takes, takes time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think even just the starting like the impact of what I've noticed, the more that I've been taking and measuring my data, I'm like, wow, like it really is a, such an impact, right? And if, yeah. if we do that at scale now, I think that's like a really cool advancement that I see in like modern technology is the availability to capture these in a more and more efficient way. I mean, look at I mean, Apple, Whoop, Oura Ring, Levels. I mean, all of these companies, even my eight sleep mattress, like it's, they're all starting to come. And I think the advancements are going to go and come so fast. We're like the models that we're looking at now are going to be so outdated, you know, every couple of months. Yeah, that's true. So what is it really that Remedy is providing people? Is it a chiropractic office? What makes it different than going to see a clinician or going or are we, are they seeing clinicians is it people coming for pains just for self-care like what is it that you're providing yeah i mean i think for us you know we're the we're the world's first social wellness club and what i mean by that is it's not a spa it's not a gym uh we don't do beauty we don't do aesthetics we really just hone in on self-care but with a social twist so what i mean by that is self-care in my eyes is really anything that positively enhances your physiology, right? So we have anything from ice baths, infrared saunas, hyperbaric chambers, cryotherapy, red light therapy, it goes on and on. And then we have all your alternative medicine doctors. So everything from functional medicine, chiropractic, acupuncture, Chinese medicine, vitamin IVs. And it's really just a blend of everything that I use and I use on my patients or that I think people should be learning like what inter like what works best for them and the social aspect of it came out as a little bit different of a feature in the sense that you know i think the reason why social wellness club or we like to say social self-care even came was throughout 
all of my patients uh, over those five years. In order to actually fix their the root cause of their problems, they had to make lifestyle changes. And, you know, these lifestyle changes, as I started to do them, they started seeing all the results and they would say, you know, Dr. Leary, I feel incredible. You know, my pain is gone or my gut issue is gone or I'm not having any flare ups. But they would always say, you know, this this lifestyle is really isolating. Mm. You know, everything that I would normally do when I socialize is bad. So they just found themselves not going out, not going to events, not doing certain things. And I think, you know, we've always known that there's a positive correlation of human connection on mental health. But I think mm-hmm. even through the pandemic, we really saw the correlation through physical health. And I think Harvard released a study, I don't know, if, I think it was this year or last year of just how important community and human connection is for our health. And I was like, you know, why is everything that we do when we socialize bad? And I really wanted to create a club that enhanced their health and their social life at the same time. And what I mean by that is it's it's a substitution for what they would normally do when they socialize, like where you bring a date, where you'd have, like where you meet your friends after work instead of going to happy hour, what you would do instead of a Sunday brunch or for your birthday or as an event venue, but just replacing the alcohol or the overindulging of food with a self-care experience. So you can do everything at Remedy by yourself, but you also have the option to do it with others. Mm. Why is it that doing healthy things is so stigmatized. I mean, I I was like the token guy in my Minnesota office that would have a, you know, my random smoothie that I mixed up and brought and had for lunch and would eat a big salad alongside it or, you know, whatever I brought brought that day. And I would get made fun of, you know, lighthearted in a way and I I didn't really care, but I just always thought it was like, why Why do people see doing healthy things or doing things that are going to improve your health as weird in a sense, I feel like in a lot of, in a lot of circles or, or commonly people might yeah. feel that way. No, I, I completely, I mean, even think of alcohol, like if you don't have a drink, I think yep. in the yeah. past we're like, oh, you must have a problem, you know? And I think, I think anything that isn't traditional or isn't like the conventional normal is always going to have people judge. Um, but I do think that, I don't know, it's, it's such, it's an interesting thing. It's just been so ingrained in us. Like no one, I always say like your body's your number one asset and you don't even know how it works. Like we've never even told how our body works, never mind how to take care of it. <laughs> and I think how I grew up or how I saw my parents grow up was, Hey, you know, like you just, you just are healthy. You know, there was no act of, Hey, how do you become healthy? It was like, as long as you were maybe like skinny, like I would walk in, do my primary care, like annual physical. And they're like, Oh, you're in great shape. You must be healthy. And I'm like, well, maybe I, maybe I wasn't, you know, I don't think being skinny or being active always just means that you're healthy. And I think there's, we were just never taught practices, right. Or like how, impactful the healthier you are the more successful you can be in your happiness or your life or your creativity or your career i think that's where we really have to change the narrative here to break the societal norms that it's like hey like your body's resilient till it's not <laughs> and then yeah. people wonder when they get sick they're like how how did i get here or like you have a marathon runner that dies of a heart attack or like you have these extreme cases and i think 
I think we were just never taught these things. It's so true. I mean, it's <laughs> hard to understand what health really means for people, I think. Because if it's like, well, I'm just going through my everyday life and I feel okay, yeah, I feel things here and there, but, you know, unless I get a diagnosis, unless I come across something and I'm really not able to do my daily activity or my job, or then have, I might... Have debilitating pain. Yeah, then so, I might take a look at something. Yeah. Then I might go seek out some help. But it's so hard to understand what health really means on a deeper level. So what are the factors that Remedy Place is kind of helping to address to get deeper into understanding your body in in really how you can feel and maximize how you feel? Yeah. I mean, our promise just like a day to day is like to always have you leave feeling better than you walked in. I think like the first step for us is like, let's give you an experience that you will always remember that's impactful and that shifts you so that when you leave, you're like, oh, wow, that made me feel better. Like that's, and that in my eyes is the win. Mm -hmm. Like our long-term approach is as we're growing this brand, it's like, yes, Remedy Place right now is a luxury club and it's a little bit more expensive. However, I'm like the value of us creating a successful business is that we're growing a successful platform. And if we're building trust and reliability and these relationships along the way and helping people, you know, every single day and as this keeps climbing and, you know, multiple clubs, multiple cities, I think we're going to start building a lot more trust and a lot more reliability. And if we can use this platform for good and provide people that educational, like, instruction manual for their body. And that's something that we're working on on the side is building out our educational platform that will be used in a new cool way. And I think tying that into us understanding data and then giving like real live time coaching and instructions, I think that's really the mission. It's For me, it's not to build a million clubs. It's, it's really to grow this platform to be a free educational tool. Mm. I like that. And that kind of answers what my next question was going to be kind of when you were talking about right now remedy places seen as you know more more of this luxury social wellness club and could be you know a little more on the expensive end for for many people and i think that's many people's barrier to feeling like they can focus on wellness and health in a in a more proactive way i think some of the things that the three of us have been saying is right now health is seen as the absence of disease oh if i'm absent of diagnosable disease or debilitating pain, I'm healthy. Rather than yeah. saying, hey, I am at the optimal pinnacle place where my health can be, that's healthy, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. rather than seeing health as something that we want to optimize. So, you know, you kind of answered what my next question was going to be is like, how do we make this accessible to everyone? And do you think that comes first through an educational platform like this? And that will help start to you know, shift kind of this paradigm of, of health and, you know, proactive well-being for people? 100%. I mean, I think, you know, there's like the foundational pillars of health that are simple and that make a huge impact that are far more important than a lot of these, you know, self-care technologies. It's like, you know, if you're in pain, you need to learn how to move. Like if we can create a library for people to teach themselves 
how to move and how to unwind their body, how to do their own active releases. You know, that's something that can be done simply, you know, like no matter what their budget is, learning how to eat, you know, nutrition, like anything you put in or on your body, there's always a better or worse option, right? And even if it's small steps of, you know, whatever is in your budget, learning what is good and what is bad, um, that's another huge step. I think mental health, I mean, there's so many tools now from, you know, free meditations to really, I think breath work is one of the most powerful tools that we have. And if you just know how to do it, that can make such a significant impact and that costs nothing. Mm -hmm. And then I think, okay, like what do people have access to that can be self-care based? You don't have access to an ice bath, like, all right, take a cold shower. If you have running water, there's like so many simple things. And I think just if the awareness was there and people just learn those foundational pillars, that makes a huge impact. And that is a lot more accessible. I mean, that is truly those little things that almost seems to be the hardest, you know, where yeah. you're running through your daily life and it's, well, I don't have time to move today. I don't have time to do this. I don't have, I, I just need to grab something quick. So I don't have time to make something. I, you know, it's, it's hard. I think we create a lot of barriers ourselves based on what we feel like we have (laughs) available to us. I mean, Dom and I even talk about this. He's like, you don't have to go to bed so late. (laughs) There's things that you can do prior to that to set you up to go to bed earlier. And I'm like, I know. Are you you airing our argument that we had earlier uh, on a a podcast? (laughs) But there are things that we can have control of. And I think it's hard to start to wrap your head around it or even identify, well, what is a cold shower going to do for me? Like what is changing my diet really going to start to do? Yeah. Well, I think what's even more crazy in my eyes is like we do have the power to do a lot and we're usually our worst enemy. Either we're not open to it or we don't want to put in the hard work. And I think being healthy and pushing the boundaries of your health can be really hard. Yeah. But this is the most important thing in your life. And if you're not willing to do something hard or challenging, you're not gonna grow. And I think we need to be a little uncomfortable. We need to push the boundaries. We need to, you know, not be lazy with our health because I don't know, I think I've just seen it in my practice and I think you guys can probably agree is like, people don't realize how valuable their health is until it's gone. And it's sad that, it really takes something so tragic before we start looking at it seriously. And I think I was just reminded in my practice so often how grateful I need to be for my body and to be pain-free and be able to move and not be injured that it kind of just like really ingrained it in my head that I'm like, every day I was so grateful. I'm like, why am I going to go put alcohol on my body? Or why am I going to go do this when I'm, right now I have a healthy body, you know, like why would I purposely ruin it? Mm -hmm. And why wouldn't I want to do everything in my power to make it better? And I think the more that I've learned and the more that I've applied to my life, there's just a crazy correlation in my eyes. I'm like, I truly think that as I continue to like grow and like not only my success within Remedy, but within like my happiness and everything, 
there is an extreme direct correlation with the healthier that I am, the better everything in my life gets. And I think if people started to see that or get a glimpse on how their relationships are better, how their work, I mean, everything that they, it's, it's contagious. And now I'm like, it took me a while to get to the program that I'm at now and also love it. Um, but now there's like, I could never, ever go back. Yeah. And, and I think that's so, I mean, I've, I've definitely noticed that in myself too. You know, we just had a kid recently and it has resulted in some of the <laughs> greatest joy, of course, in life that, that I could ever imagine. And also the next layer of challenge to exactly what we're talking about, doing the little things every day that I know would benefit my health in all areas, mental health, physical health, um, you know, my relationships, everything. And um, yeah, and I've noticed the way that that dip in my focus on some of those tasks has also bled into my work life and everything else. So, I mean, I, I can even yeah. speak to that as well, that, you know, when I don't feel like I'm focusing on the few small things that I have done in the past, it can permeate throughout all areas of my life. And I, I kind of chuckle when we're talking about how so many people, you know, make basically what are excuses to not take the cold shower and not try and do five minutes of breath work when they wake up or get outside for five minutes in the morning, even if it's when they're having their coffee or something. Because often it's people who come up to me who, you know, I don't see as people who are, you know, into the quote, woo woo, you know, health conscious stuff who say, hey, I started taking these cold showers. They feel great. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it. And it's really... <laughs> I feel like that's what Remedy Place is going to, you know, helps a lot of people do is have those horizon events. They might come in not being a believer, but if you change the way someone feels, mm -hmm. you're going to hook them on the lifestyle for life <laughs> because when someone feels the difference, that's what really sticks with them. 100%. And I think that's, it has to just be that light switch aha moment. Like, I think our jobs as healthcare professionals, like it's not our jobs to tell people what to do and make them want to change. I think what we have to do is lead by example. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully over time, people get motivated and inspired, right? To either give it a shot once. I mean, I even had one family member who I won't announce, um, but uh, she for 10 years, you know, just because of, her weight being low, she just thought like, oh, I'm, I'm healthy, but would eat anything that she wanted, but had some health complications or was always lethargic or certain things. And I was always saying like, you have to just change your diet. And, and they just didn't get it. Mm -hmm. And I think 10 years later, after not giving up, but definitely taking a step back, I got a phone call one day and she's like, John, you were right. Like I changed my diet and everything's better. I'm like, yeah, like, I wasn't lying, you know, but, it, you know, me, me trying to change someone's behaviors or convince them, it's not always the best case, right? I think it's hard because they have to reach that moment or that, that light switch moment where they get it. And Especially once they get with family. It, <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> but I think also that's what Remedy is helping with bringing that social aspect because say someone doesn't understand or hasn't hasn't been like you know what cold <laughs> not gonna ever yeah. do it hate it <laughs> and until you have those people around you 
that help to invite you in and give you an experience, give you just a glimpse of how it could feel. It really changes everything because it can open the door to so many possibilities of what that person can then introduce into their life. And I just want to hit on some of those practices, especially the ones that I, I see on Remedy page and the ones that, you know, we've kind of dabbled on. But like, I want to touch on the why just a little bit, because especially listening to the podcast, like, why am I going to take a cold shower? Why am I going to take a cold plunge? Why am I going to keep going to a place that's going to yeah. encourage me to take a cold plunge? Like, what is that really doing for people with some of these different practices, whether it is the cold or heat or acupuncture or some of the other self-care devices that you guys have available. Yeah, I mean, I think my aim with any of the experiences, uh, we don't say treatments because I think treatments have like a negative connotation. Like I, we call them experiences. So whether it's like our that. alternative medicine doctors or uh, what we call tech remedies, which are our modern modalities, all of these experiences are just putting the body in a better state so it can do what it does best, mm. you know? It's not that that doctor or that hyperbaric is this magical device. It is that they are like the, you know, they're the, it's the process of just putting your body in that better state. And I think when you give the body what it needs and you take away what it doesn't, it, it heals, you know, like when you have a cut, you don't have to think about that wound healing. It scabs over heal. You break a bone your body rebuilds the bone. You start changing, you know, the oxygen transportation, the circulation and all of these other things from a physiological point of view or biochemical point of view, the body fixes itself. And I think it's really interesting because it's, I think most people just don't feel well. So I think when someone says like, why would I do self care? I'm like, well, don't you want to feel better? And I think, when they feel better, it's like, don't you want to feel even better? And I think just like we've normalized working out on a regular basis or every day and, and moving the body, I think that self-care and any of these practices are going to be bigger than the fitness industry. It's like right now, people are sicker than they've ever been. Life expectancy is going down mm. the past three years in a row. Chronic disease is higher than it's ever been. We're making great advancements with a lot of things. But I think in healthcare, we're saving lives, but we're not making people healthy. Mm -hmm. And I think the only way to make people healthy is through those foundational pillars that we talked about earlier and these practices because working out and movement cures. And I think we always need to move. Um, but that is still a stress in the body, right? And not only do we need to recover from our workouts, but we need to recover from life. And I think life really is just enduring stress. Like that's what aging is. And I think anything that we can do to combat stress or demand on the body or put the body in a better state, it's that's the only option. And we need to do that on a regular basis. Mm. No, I think that's really well said. Um, I love that, that, what you just said at the end about the body. <laughs> that, that, that's the aging process, enduring stress. Yeah. I had one question that kind of cropped up and this it by no means is meant to, to be a curveball or pushback. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it just popped up because people we've had on the podcast, friends of ours who, you know, study food psychology and stuff like that. Uh, and this, I only thought of it because, uh, you know, food, alcohol has come up, but viewing things as good and bad, right? 
viewing foods yeah. as bad. Oh, I can't have that. You know, that, that can also have a really n- negative psychological effect on people if they say, oh, ice cream, nope, can't have it. You know, there's research that can actually show people tumble back into it. And I don't know if I'm asking your personal view or how, <laughs> or how you consult or how Remedy Place will consult people on, you know, changing food choices. But I know that some people don't respond well to the, oh, this food's good, this food's bad, or alcohol, no, I can't have it, that's poison. You know, kind of those like really defining negative type words. And again, I know it's all semantics, but that can yeah. have an interesting psychological play on some people's minds when they're trying to make these these lifestyle changes. 100%. I think you raise a good point. I mean, I think the relationship with food and the thought process behind anything actually is a lot more impactful than I think people will ever know. Yeah. And the power of a thought or a power of an intention, just like if I tell myself or if I had a patient that said, oh, you know, I just have this chronic issue. You know, I just, my back, I'm always in pain or I always Mm -hmm. get sick and they always get sick. And I don't want to say it's like that literal, but I do think that a lot of these things, you know, they're just, every thought is a signal, right? And I think just like food, if you're eating salad every day and you're like, this sucks, I'm miserable, I hate it, that is not good. And I I mean, I don't know how we can measure the negative impact of that, but I 100% agree that you have to enjoy the process. And that's where with my patients, I like them to do gradual steps. And I tell them, I'm like, you have to learn to love it and you have to know that these aren't temporary things. These are things that you want to do forever, right? And I think we can use the data. We can do your blood work. We can fix deficiencies. We can know um, inflammatory markers or pro-inflammatory foods and we can dive into all of that. But the healthy relationship with food is most important. And not only do I want you to enjoy the process, but I also want you to think of what that food is doing. It. I think you know, most of the time when people are eating now, they're like not paying attention, watching TV, and they're not even present with themselves. And I think if you're, it's clinically proven if you're just watching TV and eating, you eat more, right? It's like, mm-hmm. if, but if you're sitting at the table and thinking about like how that, that food is healing you and how that food is like your medicine, I try to like, it's hard in modern life to have like thought, like real meaning behind every thought and have intention behind everything. But it is something that I try to constantly remind myself of. It's like, what is the point of this? And like, when I would work with patients, it was like, how am I I'm really thinking that I'm healing them? Or same thing with my food is like, how is this food really healing me? And I mean that in the least woo way, but I do yeah. think it's like those nutrients, like your proteins, your carbs, your fats, those are broken down. And then those are what create the new cells in your body. Like you legitimately are what you eat. And like, it's wild to think like, okay, if I eat shitty food, right, that I'm not building shitty cells. And I think taking it slow, being realistic and understanding and building that healthy relationship with the food is important. Um, and then we know certain things are bad, like alcohol, it's not, there's no healthy dose of alcohol, like, but if we can work on moderation and slowly decreasing, like that's a, that's a win in my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that I agree a hundred percent with what you just said there. And when you go through that process, 
And I think that this is some something that a lot of people don't have built in because again, most of the time we're eating, we're eating mindlessly or we're eating to get to the next thing that we need to do in life. We start to associate how we feel with what we ate. And I don't, I don't think a lot yeah. of people consciously do that. They just say, oh, I feel like shit today. But they don't realize they kind of ate like shit yesterday or for the previous few days <laughs> because they just aren't yeah. conscious while doing it. Well, I think that's where like these wearables are also coming in handy, right? It's like showing what happens to your sleep if you eat late, what happens if you drank. And you can start looking at like, there's no lying with your data. I mean, obviously there's standard deviation of like how accurate certain data is. But you start learning the correlation of like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have that late night meal or maybe I shouldn't drink tonight because it is going to impact my sleep. Um, and I think there's also like simple warning signs like people, because like you said, they're so on the go, they're not also paying attention to like, oh, I feel so bloated or I feel so gassy. Oh, I feel so tired. Like we need to start really paying attention to our body. Our body's telling us most of the time, unless it's numb, like when you really beat the shit out of your body, right? Or you really aren't taking care of it. Your body becomes more and more numb to actually feeling what's happening. But once you start really becoming in tune with your body, you start to, to realize and know, and it tells you the warning signs. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the same as like starting to understand, oh, my stomach is grumbling. I'm probably hungry. I need to eat something. I'm yawning. I might be tired. Those are some of the obvious things that people do listen to, but we're not listening to the subtleties or even aware of what to listen to. And so that's where it comes in handy to go and see people who are going to support your journey in that. And that's really what you guys are doing, which is incredible. And I just want to ask one last thing. Um, are there like some big, you know, kind of aha changes or moments that stick out in your mind from people who come to Remedy Place on a regular basis of things that they've potentially healed or how they feel in their body, what they've said to you? Like, can you think of a couple of things off the top of your head? Yeah, I think two, two things. One, I think just becomes Remedy's more, a little bit more mainstream than most alternative medicine practices. Every time they leave, they're like, oh my God, that worked. Oh my God. <laughs> I can't believe that that actually I saw results. Like I think it's it's really that the shock mm -hmm. that they've probably been told that like acupuncture's woo or chiropractors are like fake doctors, and then they're like, oh my god, that finally worked. Or you know, I just can't believe that I've waited that long. I think that's the, the big shock with all the ultra same thing with functional medicine. It's like people are like, why have I never done this? Like. Why have I, why has my primary care doctor never looked at my blood work to this, like this detail and mm. wait, is it was that easy to fix? And sometimes these like little deficiencies or imbalances, you fix them and you feel better. And you're like, wait, I've been, I've had that problem for three years, four years, and no one could figure it out. So I think that's very cool. The other part, just because ice baths are so enrooted in like who remedy place is, no, everyone's petrified to do an ice bath. Yeah. No one wants to go into an ice bath. Yeah. You know, especially the first couple of times. I've never, ever had anyone get out of our ice bath class and say, I wish I didn't do that. They always like, oh my God, I can't believe that I haven't done this. And I think that's really just take, take the leap of faith, go try things, see what responds like well with your body. I think for like listeners, like, be open-minded to 
non-traditional things that could make you feel better. And if there's not enough science or research to show you, just go experience it and see for yourself and see if it works better than what you've been doing. Mm. I think that should be enough to really win you over. Mm. I mean, ice baths are my jam. So I, <laughs> and I've been doing them for a long, long time, but... Um, he goes into the freezing lake in Minnesota. Yeah, we were just in Minnesota. Oh, I love it. And it was the week before the ice froze out and... Our friends down the street have these things called jet boards. I'm not sure if you're familiar. It's basically like a oh, surfboard yeah, know, with a with a jet ski motor on the bottom of it. And I went in and jet boarded for like 10 or 15 minutes with without no a dry way. suit and in shorts. It, it was just exhilarating. But <laughs> no, I, I completely agree though that there are certain friends or family of mine at this point when they say, "Oh, ice baths, I could never do that." I just know I'm not going to be the one to convince them because I'm like, <laughs> I've got my laundry list of the health benefits and physiological benefits, but I know they don't necessarily want to hear that. But Jonathan, this conversation has been awesome. I appreciate everything you and everyone at Remedy Place are doing uh, to just shift people's mindsets, create these social wellness clubs for people to be able to come to find a community that they can collaborate and grow in their health in and i can't wait to see where things go and the ultimate change that and shift that this is going to make in the health paradigm in our country um where can people go if they are interested in learning more about remedy place and maybe even some of the cities that that you guys are currently in if people listening are have one nearby them yeah well one thank you so much for the opportunity you know that was not only great to reconnect but um i love opportunities like this just to talk right now. I think the best way just to follow along the journey and see the updates from events to new cities to even just more and more of the education that we'll be leaning into. Social media is a really good starting point. It's at remedyplace.com. And, you know, over the next couple of years, you'll see us pop up in probably every major city in the U.S. Wow. that you would expect. Um, we Amazing. only announced our third location. We're in LA and New York right now. We're opening a third location in New York at the end of Q1. We do have another club that we haven't announced yet in a new city um, in Q3 of next year. And then we have two set for 2025. I can't announce those, but if you, you know, we do little sneak peeks and early access usually to our members and our community first before it goes out to the press. So I would say social media is probably the best way to follow along. Amazing. Dr. Larry, you're doing a lot. I really appreciate it. You guys are killing it with introducing <laughs> what else is possible for people's bodies. So keep up the amazing work. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for taking a listen to another one of our interviews, this one with Dr. Jonathan Leary. Check out the links down in the show notes if you want to check out everything that Remedy Place is doing to help push a culture of health forward in our world and in our society. Please consider passing this interview along to friends and family. And if you haven't, we'd love if you could leave a rating and review for us on your favorite podcasting platform. And of course, we'll see you next time on the Optimal Body Podcast.